morning, folks. It's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Welcome to Democratic Perspective. Um, We talk about having a full house, but um, we have a really full house today. Um, I'm Steve Williamson. Here's Karen. Yeah, I'm Karen McClelland. And we have have Jay Ruby and the three candidates for LD1. And um, I've asked Jay at some point maybe to introduce them, but also explain the changes to where where LD1 is, because the geography of LD1 has changed a bit. Stay right on the the mic, Jay. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for having us. So I'm Jay Ruby. I am the campaign manager for the Clean State for Democracy, and I paid a fair amount of attention to the redistricting over the past year. I'll try to summarize it pretty quickly. Yavapai County used to have two legislative districts, LD1 and LD6, which was more or less split by Mingus Mountain. Um, In the current redistricting process, there was an effort uh, primarily on the part of the Republican Party to unify all of Yavapai County into one legislative district. This meant that what used to be the LD6 part of Yavapai County has become part of LD1. So... Cottonwood, Camp Verde, Sedona, Cornville has all been moved over to the legislative district with Prescott. One of the sticking points was Sedona because Sedona and the city council there very much wanted to be in the same legislative district. So there are two precincts from Coconino County, which is North Sedona and South Sedona, which are now part of LD1 as well. More or less, it's those two precincts in all of Yavapai County or LD1. However, just like they unified Sedona, they split up Wickenburg. So there are a few areas in Wickenburg Ranch, they're actually creating new precincts for this, that kind of bleed down into Maricopa County. So it is not all of Yavapai County. It, there's these small part of Wickenburg Ranch, which I think is about... 800 to 1,000 people who live there. So, uh, Jay, you want to introduce the candidates. We've got three candidates here. So if you were, like we used to video the type, you see one, two, three, four people sitting across. Three of them are candidates. And then we got Karen and I are are getting close and personal because we're (laughs) over in one spot. So, Jay, you want to introduce your candidates? I'd say just let him introduce himself. Well, why don't I start? Mike Fogel is my name, and I'm running for the... uh, LD1 Arizona Senate, and I'm a resident of Chino Valley, have been for uh, 29 years. Um, my main issue uh, for getting into this is uh, education and public education and the uh, lack of uh, funding for public education uh, that the state of Arizona has been experiencing for 30 plus years. So that's a little bit about me. And I'm Kathy Ransom. I'm running for the State House. Um, I've been a resident of Cottonwood for, I'm, I'm working on my 20th year now. It'll be 20 by the time we get to the election. Um, and I thought that it was important for the Verde Valley to have representation at the House, which we haven't had since Tom O'Halloran retired in 2009. 
Um, I've also been a single mom here in this state, and um, that is hard. The single moms are at the bottom of the food chain in our economy, and we need to we need to do better by single moms here. Um, and I'm going to pass off to Neil Sinclair, who is also running with me for the house. Yeah, hi, uh, Karen, Steve. Uh, I am a resident uh, of Prescott, uh, and I've been in the area, Prescott Valley, and I used to live in Sedona. My background is in environmental technology. I've been an entrepreneur there. Uh, I have businesses. Uh, I actually, with my wife, own a uh, an art gallery in downtown Prescott, and uh, been part of this community now, and really enjoying Arizona, and uh, so, frankly, um, what I see is this tremendous change that's happened in Arizona in the legislature. And we look at some of the things that are being done there, and they're the obvious things like the the cyber ninjas debacle. Um, but there are other things there. There's legislation that is in process now that, frankly, is kind of shocking. Um, gun training in, in, uh, from sixth grade up. Um, things like that. So I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in trying to do what I can, uh, with the knowledge that I have, my background, um, in business and in the environment to, to help the, the state and the community. So you're calling yourselves Clean Slate for Democracy. Uh, tell me a little bit that Clean Slate, you guys are running clean elections. Why don't you, one of you, explain a little bit about what that means? Yeah, sure. So uh, we're one of the few states in the uh, union that has uh, a, a clean elections commission uh, that it, where we can draw um, public funds, essentially, uh, to run our campaign. And that way we're not attached at all to any particular special interest group, uh, large business, corporation, any PAC, any union um, and uh, this is one of the ways in which we would like to take advantage of to uh, reduce the corruption in, in politics and hopefully uh, strengthen democratic institutions. So as a clean slate, um, what you need is signatures and you need $5 contributions. Is that correct? You have to get a certain number of $5 contributions. We yeah. are actually over our $5 contribution limit. And, and that's thrilling to say. Um, we do need seed money still. The seed money is the money that we have to spend on things like our printed materials that we got recently, um, our banner for a table when we go out somewhere. Um, and because we don't yet have the state money, we need seed money. Now, the seed money is limited to individuals. A corporation can't write us a check. Um, and it's a limit of $180 per person. Um, that's a maximum. And people can go on our website 
cleanslateazld1.com and make donations for the seed money. Um, and that could be $5 if they, if they thought, oh, if you out there thought, oh, I wanted to make that $5 contribution, um, cause that's all you could afford. Hey, make a $5 contribution. That would be great. And I think actually Mike is over his, his limit for raising seed money. And Neil and I are the, um, we're the redheaded stepchildren at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how clean elections work. I guess let's go back and and um, ask you one question for all three of you is what was your main motivation? I know you've addressed it to some extent. What was your main motivation in running? Because uh, you know in in Arizona and everywhere else it's it's hard sometimes to get people to run. I know Karen here has run for uh, uh, the school board I more than any other human being in the history of the world, but uh, but she has a, a take on it so. We're, you're all you're all been candidates, I suppose. So tell us a little bit about what. Let's let's start down with Neil. Sure. Um, yeah. For me, uh, I see, you know, I see the same world that that uh, you all see, uh, and that we're experiencing today. And part of the thing that there are really several crises that we're all going through. There's climate change. Uh, if you were in a Colorado city last December, you might have got 110 mile an hour winds that brought a fire through the town and burned the town to the ground. That's very unusual. And that this is the kind of crisis uh, floods in Europe and you can go on. Um, and these are things that uh, from my background experience knowledge, this is these are critical issues and I'm afraid that uh, some parts of the of the political class, let's call it, um, are ignoring these things. It's just the way it is. There's a certain uh, mentality that says, "Well, we, j- we, you know, we're like an ostrich. We bury our head in the sand and we hope it goes away." And uh, but that's not going to happen. So for me, um, because I have some expertise in this area. Uh, I would like to be able to communicate my understanding of the situation to to people, uh, both both macro, you know, on the on the global level and micro on the local level. You know, we've got Arizona can certainly uh, experience floods and droughts and fires and all of that. So that's what motivates me. Um, I love Arizona and I want to stay here. And the political climate here was making me crazy. So I started looking at other places to live. And I realized I don't want to live there because the weather's crappy or there's too many people already. Um, and oops, can I say that on the air? I'm sorry. Um. You, can, you, can, uh, you can say crap. There's okay. another okay. word that you can't say. Right, okay. okay. I'll, I'll definitely same, avoid that. What, seven words from okay. back in history. Right, right. Um, and... So I thought if I'm going to stay here, I'm going to have to stand and fight for what I think Arizona needs. And I think a lot of people agree with me. We need better public school funding. We need to take climate change seriously. We need to talk about water because our legislature is speaking of burying their their head in the sand. They're burying their head in their sand. And guess what? There's not any water down there and they're not noticing that. 
So um, we have work to do here. And if I'm going to stay here, I have to raise my hand. Yeah, yeah. And for me, as our campaign slogan suggests, clean slate for democracy, um, I've been disturbed by actions that are rather anti-democratic. And uh, we need to strengthen those institutions, the largest of which might be um, public education, which has been a foundation for our democratic uh, nation for decades and decades and decades. But then also I'm concerned about some of the uh, legislation that's being proposed and passed that uh, is suppressing voting. Voting is a sacred right uh, of any democracy. Uh, and so we need to counter that as well. We need to fight against um, any kind of voter suppression that might be taking place in the state. So that, you know, that motivated me. Those those items motivated me largely. Yeah, and I know, Mike, uh, you're currently a school board member. You've got a long career in teaching in Arizona, and just in Arizona. I don't know if you were somewhere else, but but so I know that you've got a, a lot of expertise in, in that area. That it's yeah, it's always felt to me that we need more people who are teachers or have been teachers of legislature, and maybe more people that were like teachers and nurses and some of these social service professions, because all of those people can look are used to looking down the road. You're used to taking your kindergarten student and thinking about what are they going to be when they graduate from high school. You don't think in a two-year election cycle. So we need that. You know, I think that's a thing we need in the legislature, and I think all of you bring that as the idea that we need people who can say, I'm doing something now. We won't see the seeds of it for 10 years, the water issues, the climate issues, the education issues. So we're, we're glad you guys are running. We've sort of you know, got a, a, a real sort of slate here. We've got a, a teacher, an educator. You know, we've, we've got an angry mom. Looking at things from a mom side, you know, and we've got somebody as on the business side of the alternate energy, which is sort of the perfect spectrum of expertise the legislature needs for all of you guys. Maybe if you can, in some more detail, any specific legislation, specific smaller issues you really want to see next, if you, in the in the future in Arizona. You know, I'd like to say um, really clearly that the the environmental uh, issues and the, you know those are these are not airy fairy issues these are these are fire and drought and flood issues um, the, we have and this is from my background experience the technology that we need to implement to actually uh, mitigate some of these things and, and cor- do some course correction that technology does not need to be developed anew it exists. The problem isn't engineering. The problem is politics. It's institutional barriers to implementing, for example, solar energy. Uh, I hate to tell you, but about a quarter of the Arizona uh, state would power the whole globe. I mean, there's plenty of solar power in Arizona. Uh, but it's not being tapped. It's not being. It's not being uh, encouraged or incentivized, and uh, and there are ways to do that uh, that have been done elsewhere. So, uh, I'd like to see some of those some of those uh, implemented in Arizona. 
Yeah, I, we can't think of anything uh, more important than getting solar and, and other kind of renewable energy. And we seem to be in the perfect place. And uh, in the old days, we used to say, you know, well, Germany has a higher percentage of, you know, solar energy than Arizona does. What's going on there? Because it's cloudy. It's much further north. Um so that's a that's a great and and all of you are on board in terms of the importance of having renewable energy and solar energy particularly in in Arizona. And I hear I what I hear you guys saying too is that you're disturbed by some of the stuff in the legislature which doesn't seem to be very democratic. It seems anti-democratic. It's as if the Republican Party decided that they can't win. They can't win now, but they certainly are fearful of not being able to win in the future. And so they're putting in all this anti-democratic legislation, which I assume that, that you would all uh, oppose. So let's uh, start with Mike. Uh, what kind of legislation? I, just explain a little bit what kind of stuff's being done in the legislature. Well, the, first and foremost, from my perspective as a retired educator, it's a, it's a neglect and funding, just fundamentally funding public education. We're 51st in the, in the, in the nation in per pupil funding. That's the last. That's at, that at, that's at the bottom. Uh, and in Yavapai County, we have some of the poorest uh, school districts in the state of Arizona. So we're the, the poorest of the poor. Um, and so it, just taking a different uh, tact in the legislature towards funding, the money is there. Let's start investing it in education. Let's start at, and investing it not just in pre-K uh, uh, 12 education, but there's been tremendous neglect in our universities uh, as well, which are tremendous uh, generators of of uh, research that can help the economy, um, and so I'm in favor of the, the one of the initiatives that uh, is currently out there, uh, known as uh, Nearly Free as Possible Act, um, which is a, a bunch of college educate uh, college students organizing themselves to uh, for, to to bring about this initiative. Um, to get the legislator to commit the legislature to doing what is in the Constitution, which is to offer uh, higher education as freely as possible, to invest uh, in, in, in that sector of our educational system. Um, <clears throat> there is plenty of money uh, in, the, in, in the state of Arizona that is being generated through taxes that can be invested in human capital, education being at the top of that list, um, so let's do that. Let's let's find ways to to use the tax dollars to invest in education. So there are other things, initiatives too, that are possible to help with our economy, especially right. Right. Well, and just people think that funding education is sort of that's its own little package. Funding education is an investment in our economy. If we don't have people with quality education, they need to understand today's technology. They need to understand how to problem solve. If you can't problem solve, you can only do what your boss tells you to do. You can't start your own business, which is small businesses are the lifeblood of the American economy. 
So when our governor starts talking about giving wealthy people a tax break because we have so much money in our rainy day fund, he is looking two years down the road when he wants to run for whatever office it is and not looking 20 years down the road to how are we going to get today's kid in our gardeners cranking in their earning of power because if without that education, it's not going to happen. They will be stuck being servers in restaurants. Sure, we need those. And that's not a bad job, but it's a nice job to start. And if you can move out of that because you have the education, you have the know-how to start your own restaurant or to start your own wholesale restaurant supply house. Um, we want people to be able to think big, not think small, and not have to worry day to day about how they're going to pay their bills. And that starts with our teachers. Our teachers are sweating because they don't know how they're going to buy a new set of tires, and they've got to focus on tomorrow's lesson plan. And the uh, the same thing is true when you look at uh, if you want to attract uh, businesses to the state of Arizona, and uh, somebody is going to say, okay, great, We've got this innovation. We've got this new tech. Uh, we can. These are. This is the stage when most businesses grow fastest. It's. It's not the tiny businesses, and it's not the mature ones. It's the ones that are experiencing fastest growth. And what do you want to do? You want to attract them to the state. Well, it's great if you can create a climate of of innovation. Right. And the and the the uh, the implementation of uh, innovative. uh, It's true in infrastructure, transportation, power. uh, But if they say, well, how are the schools when I'm going to move my family over to uh, to uh, anywhere in Arizona? And and as Mike points out, you have 51st in in the nation in uh, per pupil funding or or uh, teacher retention it's a pretty tough sell so why should we why should we move our business to arizona yeah. so oh karen i was yeah. just going to yeah. try to address a, a specific piece of legislation oh, yeah. because mm-hmm. that 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 is what was you've yeah. been asked so if we take a look at what took place last year and with proposition mm-hmm. 208 um, which was to tax the wealthy uh, to devote those resources, which were estimated to be eight hundred million to a billion dollars a year to public education and by the way, um, that would be specifically for teacher salaries, increase in number of teachers in the classroom because we have the largest classrooms in the nation also, and then also support staff. Devote those kinds of resources to that. Now, 208 has just come up as uh, 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 having been determined as an unconstitutional uh, uh, piece of initiative. Well, if I'm in the legislature, I'm just going to propose a law that does exactly what 208 does, okay? Um, And that is to uh, find a sustainable revenue stream to increase revenues that are devoted to education. Now, I want to point out, though, and, and <clears throat> which I suggested a little bit earlier, is that there's plenty of tax dollars right now um, that are flowing into the, the state coffers that can be invested in education instead of being given back to the public in the way of tax uh, tax breaks and, and tax reductions. Mm-hmm. So... Th- 
the other thing that is really important that I've learned in my research uh, about uh, funding and education in Arizona is that our effort or our capacity to um, um, uh, uh, devote a portion of our GDP to education is last in the United States. Mm-hmm. Only 2.38% of our GDP is devoted to public education. That's also at the bottom. Okay, So clearly we have an economy that could support public education public universities much more so than we currently are doing. And the one other thing on, on education, I know Mike knows having been in education, is that a lot of the issues that the public talks about, you know, low scores on tests, standardized testing, dropout issues, other issues which you know exist in Arizona and everywhere else, are all tied directly to poverty. You know, the, the poor the students, the poor the background the students, the more they struggle in, you know, in res- results on standardized tests, regardless of what they're actually learning in the classroom. And Arizona, we have like 20% of our students live in poverty. Just before the show, you were saying that well, more than 20% of households in Yavapai County are headed by single moms. So there's a lot of this money that is devoted, needs to be devoted really before the child hits kindergarten and support for child care, support for you know, job search, all of these other aspects. I know you talked about a bit of that before, Kathy. But also, yeah. Well, and when we have um, so many students in charter schools, and I am a supporter of charters with a lot of qualifications, um, when you have children in poverty in charter schools, they and they are, so they're officially below the federal poverty line. That makes them eligible for free breakfast and free lunch. In a public school, if a charter school does not have a food program, they can't feed those kids. A hungry child cannot learn. They're not going to be picking up until, you know, they, maybe they get to lunchtime and they get a little something. But if they had a banana for breakfast, and hopefully it was a banana and not some sugary cereal, they're not going to be able to pick up the material that they're, the teachers are attempting to teach them in the morning. And just the other thing, just on looking at that, is in our county, we think of Sedona as being a wealthy district. Sedona is what they call a Title I school district. The majority of our students in Sedona are on the free and reduced lunch program. They live below the federal poverty level. In fact, we have a higher percentage of students in that category in Sedona than Prescott does. You wouldn't you know, think, of, think about that. We have fewer we have maybe fewer families with children, but those that are living in Sedona are the ones who are struggling. As you said, they're the people with the minimum wage jobs, the service industry jobs, the hospitality industry jobs. They're, they don't make a lot of money. And there's a lot of, a lot of issues. And then the more rural part, the more rural parts of the county, and this county, like lots of others, suffer not you know, from poverty, from very few jobs available for people to do. I've got friends in Ash Fork, and you know, 40, 50 years ago, Ash Fork had slate quarries. Ash Fork had the railroad. Ash Fork had things. All of those industries are pretty much gone in those areas. I'm sure there are many other things that might be possible in that area. We've talked to you before on issues with the railroads in Arizona, how they could, you know, there's additional jobs that might be produced that way. But we're in, in parts of rural area of Yavapai, like rural area, we're really suffering some real issues on economic development and providing, replacing those jobs that were there 40 years ago with the jobs of today. So what specifically, maybe Neil as a businessman, what can you see to, to try to get that rural economic development and bring jobs to those smaller parts of the state? Well, I'll be honest. 
I think that the things that we're talking about here that are problematic for the state, frankly, are a function of the legislature. And so I'm going to give a plug for the Clean Slate for Democracy. There's only three three states in the United States that have this system, is that Connecticut, Maine, and Arizona, where uh, we are able, when, when we jump through all the hoops and we achieve all of the requirements uh, in order to do this, the clean slate, uh, the clean election system, uh, we are not able to take money from corporations, businesses, unions, political parties, or PACs. That's why it's clean election. And so uh, there is, I think, we everybody complains about corruption in politics. It's like the weather. Everybody complains about it and nobody does anything. Well, we actually here are doing something about this, the three of us are running uh, in spite of all of the money that's in politics. And we can absolutely say uh, that we are bringing a clean politics to a legislature that otherwise doesn't have it. So uh, I think that uh, what we're doing uh, is important for the state and for the legislature to be able to to have this approach. Uh, yeah, issues are paramount. Let's turn to your campaign manager, Jay Ruby, and ask him about uh, the the slate that's, that you put together, how people can contact them, what they need, and uh, where they will see them uh, if they want to hear them in person or I don't know, you know, on, on the Internet, anywhere, Jay. Well, first of all, our website is cleanslateazld1.com. Clean Slate for democracy, Clean Slate, Arizona, AZ, and our legislative district, LD1. So cleanslateazld1.com, and you can learn things about the candidates. We'll have our upcoming events. Um, right now we're doing a lot. We're getting to... St- to our base right now. Um, We have passed the threshold for qualifying contributions. So each candidate will, uh, we're going down to the Secretary of State next week and we will get our uh, qualification. We are still collecting petition signatures. We're past the minimum threshold, but we're building our buffer. Plus everybody that you get with your petition becomes sort of a little bit deeper into the campaign, that moment of signing. So that is still going on. We will be appearing in various public venues throughout the county. It is important to remember Yavapai County is a predominantly Republican county. We are running as Democrats. It is important to change the narrative around the issues, democracy, public education, the environment, climate change. These are really critical things. The clean slate is an opportunity to engage different narratives here in Yavapai County. Um, do the candidates have their own websites or you've got a you've got a unified website or for all three of you? We have one website, the Clean Slate A Z L D one. When you go to that page, you will see pictures of all three of us. <laughs> and that's part of running as a slate on the clean elections money gives us um, an, 
a more comfortable bankroll as an individual candidate on uh, clean elections money. It's it's a tight budget. Um, so this is the advantage that we have. We also are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and for those of you under 25, TikTok. Um, and it's Clean Slate AZ LD1 on all of those, um, all those different social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. So if people want to follow where you're appearing and what you're doing, it, that's the website that is probably the best place to go. The website and, or Facebook. So if you're speaking at a door meetings, for example, in Sedona, that will be on the website, as well as you should let us know about it, Okay. And people can go to the website and sign up for our newsletter. We send out an email once a week, not more. <laughs> so I'm going to pass this back and maybe and let Karen ask the serious questions about issues. Well, we've, we've covered some of the things. Obviously, Mike, Mike and I, with having been school board members and backgrounds, and education is probably the forum. And you've all talked about that because we all know that having that strong education system, you know, the things all the way from, you know, good preschool programs, and Arizona is lucky in that we passed an initiative, I don't know, many years ago, for first things first, using some of the money that came from tobacco settlements to fund quality preschools, they still are lacking in rural Arizona. There's a whole a bunch of different issues as to why there are fewer of them in rural Arizona. But, they, but they, we've got that as a statewide issue. We you know, can expand on that. We've, we all know we need you know, education at, at all levels. That seems to be a pretty basic issue. The other thing we you know, haven't maybe discussed maybe gonna, is the whole the issue just of, of, of being a citizen like being able to, you know, to learn how to think, how to problem solve, how to act for students in school to be exposed to a lot of different ideas so they can talk about ideas, you know, and when they get to be 18 so they can actually go and vote easily in the state. And we've had a lot of legislation this year trying to regulate what s- students are allowed to talk about in schools, what teachers can talk about in schools, and a lot of, of legislation specifically aimed to make it more difficult. We know the Republican Party actually is suing the state of Arizona to try to declare the whole mail vote by mail process unconstitutional and that's the actual republican party brought that lawsuit it was not brought by some one right-wing person it was the actual party so we know where they stand on these issues so maybe some of those specific things any specific legislation or things that are heard about that you really want to make sure people are aware of well let me chime in real quickly there is uh, another initiative uh, called the um um Fair Voting Fair Elections um, Act uh, that is uh, currently taking place, too. And and, uh, so all initiatives, um, the the way they get on the ballot is uh, collecting about uh, 230,000 signatures. So I would encourage anybody and everybody to look for uh, as nearly free as possible act and the Fair Elections Act initiatives and sign those uh, petitions um, because those are extremely important. And this, um, and, and maybe I'll uh, hand it off to somebody else because uh, um, otherwise I will continue talking too much. Uh, um, Kathy? Well, and I think it's ironic that they have a, a legislation proposed right now that says we can't discuss difficult topics in school. Well, Maybe they've had that secret law in the legislature for some time now because a difficult, difficult topic in Arizona is water. 
and they're not talking about it. Or if they're talking about it, they're talking about it behind closed doors because they don't know, they don't want us to know what they're talking about. Um, and when we talk about not talking about difficult subjects in the classroom, then we're not talking about educating people. Then we're talking about the, all the stuff that everybody hated in school, which was boring, wrote memorization, you know, the, the old write this sentence 100 times. Well, that's a punishment. That's not education. That is not how we create an innovative economy. That's not the, the economy of the 21st century. It's really more like the economy of the 19th century. Um, so our legislature is headed in the wrong direction. And it's partly because they, the Republicans have had the majority for so long. And they don't have to listen to the, Repu- the Democrats. They don't have to negotiate. They don't have to compromise. And we're really close to flipping our legislature right now. We only need two seats in the House. I'm looking because I got my numbers. One seat in the House and one seat in the Senate. And then people have to talk to each other. They have to negotiate. They have to compromise. And that in itself would be a huge improvement over the current situation. I heard a Democrat lawmaker talking recently she was complaining that the leadership in the house does not have to listen to democrats right now Mm. they can't even get their legislature into committees and the process involves going through a committee and getting approved by a committee and then it can go to the floor for a vote and if you can't get your legislature into a committee then you don't have a chance understand that that uh, that the situation is the republicans Let's just be partisan about it. Republicans are proposing and passing all this terrible, extreme, crazy legislation. And they only have one seat in each house as an advantage. So if any of you guys are elected and things stay the same, the, the world will change once, once they're either the, the House or the Senate has a Democratic majority of even one. Because then they'll, people will have to talk. And exactly as Kathy's saying. And that's something we haven't had my, my God, in decades. And we have a Republican Party that's gotten more and more extreme. For example, forcing out uh, Tom O'Halloran is one good example. He was in favor of education, didn't like it. He was in favor of the environment, didn't like that. Neil? Well, you know that that there are institutions that do nothing but write uh, partisan legislation for specific uh, moneyed interests. Uh and there, what do they do? They pay legislators to come to annual conferences, and they they custom draft legislation to be taken back to the state capitals and then introduced into the legislatures. Uh, and uh, you know, they, this is this is hardly representative democracy. It's not. It's special interest. Uh, a republic, if you want to call it that, uh, and this is the the type of this is not this is not what it, the Democratic Party is up against. This is what the people, the citizens of Arizona, are up against. Yeah, that, yeah, and I would like to uh, emphasize yeah. a little bit and 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 uh, uh, piggyback on what Neil was just saying, and and also Kathy. It's not just that the Republican Party isn't listening and having to negotiate with Democrats. 
they're not paying attention to the majority of Arizona voters. Initiatives that are passed by majorities because of the neglect of our Republican legislatures are being undermined time and time and time and time again by that minority and who are kowtowing to the special interests Neil was mentioning. And it, let's, let's, I mean, let's, <laughs> let's call a spade a spade. We're talking about ALEC and we're talking about dark money, which is also an, another piece of, uh, uh, another initiative that we're in favor of that, that we need to expose, uh, 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 and become uh, uh, more open and frank about where the money is coming from that is financing uh, our elections. And we know that the, this money is infiltrating into Yavapai County Republicans uh, and and that um, they are kowtowing to large interests, big business interests of Maricopa County and nationwide uh, interests and this kind of externality that has ha- had had an impact in Arizona uh, is n- is means that has meant that our legislators local are neglecting the interests and the needs of the people of which of whom they are supposed to be representing and that's how clean election is going to change right I mentioned Alec yeah uh, measures groundwater any rate. I'm not sure. I just want to. I just want to point out that these are not just Mike and Kathy and Neil's ideas. The state constitution says in the second section, Article Two. I memorized that. I have memorized nothing else about the constitution yet. Political power is inherent in the people. That's power to the people, and they're trying to take that away. They're trying to destroy the the initiative process. The initiative process is where a voter can say, I think we need to do X, Y, and Z. We need to measure groundwater, for example. We need to um, have the... um the right that we need to follow the Constitution, which says higher education needs to be as nearly free as possible. And we need, yes, we need 230,000 signatures. And then for an overflow, you need, or for a safety zone, you need 270. And some of the initiatives right now are trying to go over 300,000 because they're so, the legislature is so opposed to this process that they now are making it harder. And next year, it's going to be nearly impossible. There won't be initiatives next year because you can't collect 500,000 signatures in a state with a dispersed population the way that Arizona is. I'm just going to add on to that. Go ahead, Jay. There's a proposal from J.D. Mesnard to make it that any proposition that gets to the ballot has to be approved by 60% of the voters instead of 50%. That's one of the barriers being put up to diminish the voice of the people. It seems like they're trying to shut down uh, everything that all the democratic institutions, Karen, that yep. that they don't control or where they lose out, or where people want more money for schools, they want to undo that. Where people have their own ideas of, of initiatives and, and, and legislation, they want to shut that down. Um, I want to thank all of you guys uh, for being with us today, and I'm Thank you for being candidates. A couple of weeks ago, we interviewed Kathy Kinsella about how to be a candidate. Think about being a candidate, folks. These guys, you know, don't have horns on their heads, and they're, they seem like an intelligent bunch. Well, I don't know about Jay, but but the rest of them. Uh, take the step. Think about running for office. I mean, we've got we've got three excellent candidates. You can hear that. Um, next week, we'll be discussing um, critical race theory. 
CRT. Karen's going to be uh, hosting the show. And I hope you will all turn in. It's controversial and also in some ways doesn't exist in Arizona schools. Thank you very much for being with us. All our our, um, podcasts are on vvid.org. We have a new Facebook page. Check it out. We want to thank all of these people for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you all for coming, and we hope to have you over again before the election and talk to you in more detail. VVID.org, folks, that's where you can find all our podcasts. Um, We could also use your contributions, just like these guys might, Um, but that's part of the nature of doing politics where you don't have um, someone pouring money into your your account. So we do depend on our uh, listeners for our support. We do have to buy all our airtime. I do want to thank you for being with us. Um, check on the website and see if when these guys are around, available to talk. Thank you very much for being with us. Thanks, Steve. You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.